Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Amazing Race 30 preview episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Hamstone, and joining me, as ever, for the first time in far, far too long, is the Canadian who, just like Trevor, enjoys hanging out with puppies and getting into meme wars, Logan Saunders. Afternoon, Michael. Afternoon, and a very merry one year since you actually joined my family. Yes, one year ago today, I was on a plane to Europe, and I think... Yeah, at this very day was when I showed up at your house. It was dating ourselves slightly today. Well, we are filming, recording, whatever you want to say, on the 19th of December. And a year ago today, Logan did join my family for Christmas. At the start of his big European adventure. Yeah, which it's, I can't believe it's already been that long since the European adventure. It was a quick... Uh, it's been a quick eight months since I've been back. And actually, one the person I met while I was there, um, she was just here for two weeks. Yes, uh, Logan's significant other. Yeah, she was hanging out here for two weeks, and now she's back in Barcelona. So now I've been stuck doing, now I've been blogging constantly because I don't know what else to do with myself right now. And the end of your big European adventure was when we recorded the last season that we actually talked about, Amazing Race 29. Yes, because the uh, CBS had the brilliant idea to bump up the schedule two weeks at the last second and decided to air the first two episodes uh, while I was in uh, Europe and Cuba. And I think we did the preview podcast when I was at your house for your birthday back in uh, March. It was on my birthday that we did it. Yes, on your real birthday. It was on my real birthday, unlike the Queen. I only have one birthday a year. So it was on uh, on the 24th of March this year that we recorded okay. Amazing Race 29. And now, yet again, CBS have screwed us over and surprised us with an early start. Earliest start ever. This is like most TV shows don't air their spring season until either late January or early February. Or nowadays it's more of the... Netflix era, so TV networks usually wait till March and air it all really quickly. So this, for some reason, with Amazing Race 30, they're going to air it all starting January 3rd and have it done by middle of February. I think during the Olympics, right? 21st of uh, February is the finale. And is that the end of the Olympics or like the middle of it? You mistake me for someone who cares about the Olympics. (laughs) I have no idea. It's somewhere like right in there. That's I think it's part of the reason why they're airing it so quickly, and they're also airing it in Survivor's time slot because Survivor starts Survivor thirty six starts airing uh, the week after that. Yep, Survivor Ghost Island, as we will find out tomorrow night. Yeah, which is crazy too that like we're hitting Amazing Race thirty and Survivor thirty five ends tomorrow with. Um, 36 just airing shortly after Amazing Race 30 starts on TV. That's crazy to me. And just to spoil things for the podcast slightly, we were originally just planning to do Vista Mall in January, because that starts on January 6th. Then Hunted was announced as not being aired until January, and spoilers, it's January the 4th. And then Amazing Race came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we're airing from January 3rd. And my first reaction was, for goodness sake, what are you doing to my life? 
<laughs> because I'm stupidly excited about Hunted, given that I know a little bit about what happens. I'm stupidly excited about Vidum because they're going to Georgia and that's awesome and they're going to reuse everything they were going to do for the cancelled Russia season a few years ago. And we also now have Belgian Mole, which starts in February and it's going in Mexico and that's going to be awesome. And then Amazing Race 30 just comes to piss on my parade and bring Jody back into my life. And then, after all that's over, there's really nothing else for the rest of the year. There really isn't. We're front-loading everything. It's so irritating. Everything's going to be done by, well, excluding Survivor 36, everything's essentially done by March, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because Vidum finishes on March the 10th, Belgian Mole will finish sometime in April, and then Hunted will probably finish early March. I've not worked it out, but it's six weeks, I know that. So now it'll be middle of February. Yeah, that'll be like February, yeah. So everything is super front-loaded, and maybe that means we get Amazing Race 31, and maybe it means that they'll put effort into casting, but I'm not sure. Do you think there's going to be an Amazing Race 31 later this year just because they rushed 30 out? Like, 30 just filmed in October. That's a really quick turnaround to have it all edited and air on TV by Amazing Race standards. Like, season 29, they filmed it in June and then waited until very end of March to start showing it on TV. So it's like a nine-month turnaround from filming it to airing it. Here, it's barely three months. To be fair to them, it's atypical to do a nine-month turnaround. When they were doing two seasons a year, they were filming in November and airing in February. So Yeah, but this was just it's supposed to be just one season per year now, supposedly. And now I'm starting to doubt that if they're going to film it and then air it in the span of three months, which makes me think that we're probably getting a season 31 before the end of this year. I think probably they're going to end up airing it as sort of a a stopgap between seasons. Maybe they'll keep doing what they're doing for this one and just air it between Survivor seasons or something, which would be great because it means that I don't even have to think about doing Amazing Race Canada and don't have you badgering me to do it. I can promise you this, Michael. I will not be badgering you to do Amazing Race Canada unless they have international destinations this time and not terrible tasks or repetitive tasks i should say i'm saying this point blank now i am never ever 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 doing amazing race canada again ever not even john montgomery can bring me back even if they change if they make all the changes that you ask them to make in like the very remote scenario that they actually listen to you yeah even that because i do not have faith in them to do it anymore Especially when the news comes out a couple of hours before we're recording this that CTV are airing Amazing Race 30 in two weeks. They're airing it five nights a week. Five nights a week for two weeks and that's it. And the, the funny thing is you said that there's that the finale would air two days after they air the finale in the States. Yeah, it works out that they, I think with CTV's scheduling, they finish airing on the 23rd of February and the 21st is the um, the finale date. For Amazing Race 30 in the US. And they've never done that before. The Canadian TV station, CTV, has always aired it simultaneously with CBS. They've never screwed up the the, field, the um, airing it uh, on TV at all. This is the first time where they're just completely going against it. And not only doing their own thing, but airing it five nights a week for two weeks as if they're just trying to force it out through a contract. Yeah, like nobody's going to watch that. Ever. Because everyone's going to watch the American airings, obviously. Yeah. And then this season, 
just... Like, reading the bios and everything over the past couple of days, I've started to hate the teams a little less than I already did, but there's still one team I hate. Oh, lovely. So we'll get a first good first impression with them. <laughs> this is a rare one where we actually agree on disliking a team pre-season. Yes. <laughs> because I have a, a strong suspicion that you're going to be as mean about them as I am here. <laughs> Time will only tell. Yeah, and firstly, before anything else, if you're still six months later bitching and moaning about Brooke and Scott winning, as I did see on the Amazing Race Facebook page when everything was announced that it was going to be January 3rd, get a life. Just get a life. I am beyond defending them now in the time between Amazing Race US seasons has aired. Both Logan and I have met Brooke and Scott. We both know that they are lovely people, both individually and as a pair. They're one of my favourite winning teams ever, so kindly... As the Spaniards would say, Chupamela. Anyway, let's roast 22 people we're not friends with. <laughs> let's, all right, let's do this. I believe the first team you wanted to go over was April and Sarah. They are my favorites. Like, this was randomized, apart from the last team we're talking about, because we always love to keep a team that we're going to talk the most about last. Apart from that, it was completely randomized on Sunday evening to decide who was going to be in what order. It came out that my favorite team are first, April and Sarah. <laughs> I've noticed with this season, with these teams in general, there's a lot of self-promotion for everyone's line of work. And April and Sarah are the epitome of that. They don't go more than half a paragraph without referencing either the Team Go Yoga or the Desert Paddleboarding. It's amazing how many times they are able to mention it. Like, even, like, oh, what's your favorite meal for breakfast? It'll be like, oh having a bowl of cereal before I do my goat yoga, or eat an apple right after I finished uh, desert paddleboarding. Let's be abundantly clear. This is one of those teams where I love because they are Arshala and Nabila. There is not a chance in hell that they make it to halfway through this race. But I just love how absolutely bonkers they are. Oh yeah, they're, 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 they're crazy. <laughs> just their hobbies. Barefoot water skiing, circus flying trapeze. I will say this though. Shal and Nabila didn't have any physical activities in their bio. At least the goat yoga team both list doing stuff that involves the outdoors and not being afraid of popsicle sticks. Yeah, in a season that is described as some of the most competitive and accomplished group of racers ever, yes, April is a former professional water skier, but they are the outlier team. Apart from the team we're going to discuss last, because they are an outlier, but... As much as I would love them to be champions of this season, something tells me they won't be. I don't have them finishing dead last or even second to last out of everybody, though. No, I think they're going to be first half of the race out. I'll be shocked if they survive the first half. I agree with that. And I think April's the first person ever to describe herself as ingenuitive in her bio. Three words to describe yourself. First one to say ingenuitive. Anyone who's listened to these previews knows that I love the three words because people can't count. And there's a few people who are, let's just say, slightly weaker on the numbers side than others. A lot of these people, thankfully, have stuck to three words. Some of them have gone to six. Yeah, one to one guy, the twin firefighter guy, I think it was either Eric or Daniel, uh, used three words as one of the three words. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, so, April and Sarah are goat yoga enthusiasts and friends and business owners from Arizona. They've been friends for 20 years and met when they were 19. 
And Sarah loves 1-800-SHAMROCK commercials, which is inspiring her to go to Ireland. That is the best excuse I've ever heard for her. I want to go to this place because. Because almost always it's, I want to go to Italy because my family's from there. And one person said that this time. With Sarah, she wants to go to a place because of a telemarketing thing. Yeah, that's quite a good excuse. And she would be fit in with Frosty from Survivor China because she teaches parkour classes. And she's also a part-time tour guide. Uh, Yeah, from the town of Jose Mesa, Arizona. And at least April seems like a fan. She's the one one person this season where I can pinpoint it and go, she's seen The Amazing Race before actually being cast on The Amazing Race. Which is why they won't finish in last. I don't think Shaolin and Bila were too familiar with The Amazing Race. You mean to tell me... That Charlotte and Nabila, who had the worst performance of any first boots of all time, had never seen Amazing Race? It's shocking, isn't it? When they said in their bios that they wanted to wear cute outfits. God, I miss Charlotte and Nabila. Amazing Race Canada <laughs> All-Stars. Yes, they're shooing. Well, we both know that Amazing Race Canada is ridiculous, so it's not out of the question for them to recast Charlotte and Nabila. Oh, they were so, they were a team that was almost there. Like it's like those f- same fans online who say that Mike and and Kanan deserve a second chance because they're like Big Easy and Flight Time, uh, you know, pressured Micah into not going down that slide. When if you'd seen the first five episodes of the season, you know very well that Micah was never going to go down that slide. She was already freaking out about being in a boat. Because the boat may slightly tip and let water get into the boat. And then even going into an elevator to the top of a building was freaking her out too. She wasn't even stepping outside the elevator. I would love it so much if Micah and Kanan came back. Because they are not just exes, but bitter exes. And I'm on record on this podcast as loving bitter ex teams. It would be comedy gold for them to feud their way through the single leg that they would last. I don't think they'd even get through the first leg. I'm pretty sure Micah would quit. She'd quit faster than she did the first time. It would be so funny. I know I'm a really mean person, but... (laughs) And one little disclaimer that I do have to do is that because of a particular team's fans' behaviour, not mentioning any names, but Jessica and Cody, we are far more spoiled than we would like to be. There's certain teams that I know who make Final Four. There's certain teams I know who make halfway through the season. And this is all because of those rabid idiots, to put it politely. I should note that the only team who I know about where they approximately place in the race is Jessica and Cody. I don't know anything about anyone else, luckily. I sadly, thanks to being an Amazing Race fans admin, know far more than I would like to. So I'm going to sort of hold back on guessing where certain teams finish. Yay, that means I get to make the predictions on, on the post. means that you're going to, be, uh, going to be made the fool of, I'm afraid. Remember that I'm ranking teams 1 to 10, because I know, because Jessica and Cody aren't included. So I have April and Sarah as being 8th. Uh, I would love them to go far, but I'm not sure they will. Don't you know where they end up then? I don't know where they end up, but... I also don't want to guess at some teams and not others, because that will then make it obvious which teams I know finish where. I see. There's a a bit of strategy in what I'm going to say and what I'm not. So you're deceiving us. Yeah, because I don't want to particularly reveal who I know makes Final Four, who I know makes Final, what, Machine Gear 6. I'm just going to hold off on 
guessing anyone's placement. All right. Uh, one more thing about April and Sarah is that in the video, uh, Sarah says that April is picky food-wise and dyslexic. Oh, so they might get the whole Max and Elias and Maisonary's Canada 3 style of being eliminated. Mm, that's what I'm worried about. That would be my, hmm, this is a red flag, I'm going to circle this. But maybe she gets in a roadblock where it's reading something and she struggles. And our next team is dating musicians from New York, Trevor and Chris, and I'm going to refuse to use their band name because it is a revolting pun. Well strung. What? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Michael is now sitting in a pile of his own puke for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> just wait till the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, then it'll just be it'll be a torrential downpour for the last team that we discussed. Having said that, I do quite like Trevor and Chris. They are one of my favourite teams, which isn't saying much in this season. Trevor's favourite hobbies is getting engaged in meme wars and hanging out with puppies. Are you two not related? Yeah, that is awesome. That's the sort of bio that I would write. I'm surprised you haven't tweeted him yet. Not yet, I've been holding back. I'm, I'm trying not to appear desperate. I'll tweet him and I'll tag you in it. I think I would like to be friends with Trevor and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> And he's years losing a violin in the cab. I'm assuming from that that he's going to be bringing it, which seems like a lot of pointless luggage to me. I know that it's your job and like you've probably grown up constantly playing the violin and you can never be too far away from it, but you can be without it for three weeks. It calms him, Michael. It calms him. Yeah, but it's going to be so expensive. He will be devastated if it gets broken in the middle of nowhere. I'm also trying not to reveal which countries we know about that CBS haven't revealed yet. Which countries have CBS revealed? CBS, well, the press have revealed Iceland, obviously, um, Zimbabwe, France, and the other one. There's another one they've revealed, I can't remember which one it is. I'm amazed they were able to go to Mugabe's homeland twice in the span of three, uh, four seasons. I know, and these are proper Zimbabwe legs as well. Like, without saying anything else, they go to Harare. Not an easy place to get around. No, that is proper Zimbabwe rather than, you know, the veering in just to claim a new country that they did last time. Belgium's the other one, by the way. It should open up a lot more places in Africa for them to go to if they can go to um, the Zimbabwe's major city. Well, we are still waiting for Amazing Race Canada to go to uh, the Congo, aren't we? The East Congo. The east eastern part of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Like the part of the Congo that inspired the the fictitious country of Sangala in the seventh season of 24. I will take your word for it. <laughs> Are you excited about the prospects of The Office coming back? No, because there's no Michael Scott. We still have The Good Place, though, which I know you're as big a fan as, as I am. I just finished the first season, and the finale disappointed me. So good. Everything was good up until, like, the last ten minutes. And I'm like, oh. You didn't like the twist. I didn't mind the twist. It was just what happens at the very end. Where, like, I could see the writing get a lot weaker for season two. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, season two's already happened? Well, that's two-thirds of the way through season two. And it's fair to say they wrestle through the plot. The ending twist of The Good Place, season one, is basically resolved within two episodes of season two. Oh, okay. To much uh, much hilarity. But I won't say anymore. What the fork? What the forking shirt balls? 
<laughs> but yeah, if you've never seen The Good Place, it's the best comedy on TV right now. Do yourself a favour and watch it. And when Amazing Race Canada comes back, watch The Good Place instead of Amazing Race Canada because it's actually entertaining. <laughs> yes. And if you think I'm going to ever stop shitting on The Amazing Race Canada, especially after you forced me to podcast about it in summer with you and I've already blanked it out, you're wrong. Anyway, back to Trevor and Chris. <laughs> Um, so Trevor wants to go to Japan, and right after he talks about Japan, he says the Chris is the yin to his yang. And it uh, makes me wonder if the yin to his yang has anything to do with fellow racer Henry Zhang. I would assume not, but that is another team that I am partial to. <laughs> Just to spoil things, I'm quite partial to Henry and Evan. And Chris loves to combine classical music with pop, which, again, Michael, sounds like they're related to you. Not classical music. I'm a big fan of postmodern jukeboxes, as we've previously discussed. But, uh, yeah, not necessarily classical music. I am a big fan of impressive orchestrations. That's the same thing to me. <laughs> In terms of great versions of other songs, where it's still recognisable, but also a great version of it. Have you listened to any of Trevor and Chris's music? I haven't, because I didn't actually know who they were until two days ago. Oh, man. We've been slacking. I've been deliberately holding off on reading any of these bios until right before we did the preview, so my feelings are still quite fresh about them. And Chris loves escape rooms. He does, which friend of the podcast Lee Wilson will probably be quite happy to hear. And he's incapable of answering the fear question. He just he, he doesn't answer the actual question. He talks about something completely different. That is another one of my bugbears. Anyone who's read my blog about biographical mistakes spurred on by Gino and Jesse being the world's most boring human beings will know that, like, just come up with something. Because if you now are scared on the race, I'm gonna rip you a new one for lying on your bio when you have the option to change it afterwards. Yeah, just watch him be afraid of sock puppets. He's afraid of, uh, of crisps. Of crisps. What you would call potato chips. I know, I know what you're getting at. Is he afraid of the potato chips or the fact, or just the he fears you guys referring to them as crisps instead of potato chips. Yes. Um, where were they from? Were they from New York? They are both from... Well, they both live in New York. I'm not sure if they're actually from New York, but we don't have any more information than that. I see. And Chris reminds me of a blonde Scott. A blonde Scott? Yeah, he looks like Scott Flannery, but blonde. He has a look of the Flannerys. I... kinda... I can see it. Kinda. And apparently, um, Trevor and Chris, or Trevor and Chris's group, which I'm still not going to say the name of because I may dry heave. Both strong. But, um, they're apparently most notable for creating a parody of Stacey's mom called Chelsea's mom, which they wrote about Hillary Clinton. That's ridiculous. So they are now going to be the Weird Al team. Yeah, they just love classical parodies. Where do you see them finishing? Um, let's see. I had them finishing in 6 out of 10. So about midway through. Halfway point. I have high hopes for them. You you have high hopes for them? Yeah, I think that they could be potentially a great team. I just don't sense them being competitive enough. I get that with a lot of these teams, though. Like, when Amazing Race Canada 6 was announced to be looking for quote-unquote heroes, nominate your heroes. What? The issue that we and a lot of other people thought is, well, no one's going to be that competitive because they're not going to want to backstab and not appear to be 
true Canadians, in inverted commas. And I get the same sense from trying to do a champion season where they're all like, oh, I, I just want to be to display good sportsmanship and, you know, run a good race. And it's like, no, you don't. You need to lie, cheat and steal to win if you need to. I mean, see Brooke and Scott. Scott is maybe the most social player ever to be on The Amazing Race. And what did it get him? Half a million dollars. And there's probably a lot of egos on this season. Yeah. Where they're not going to interact too well with the other teams. See also the Heroes tribe from Survivor 35, in that everyone, if you're told you're a hero, you're going to want to be a bit more honourable. And Amazing Race isn't necessarily the show to be more honourable, in my humble opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, which is rare, I know, but I don't see a good season where people are all going to be like, oh yeah, we just want to be nice to everyone. Nice and competitive. Run your own race. Run your own race. Run your own race. Be nice to everyone. But also, let them push you forward. Have alliances if you need to, but don't let CBS force it on them. Oh, CBS wants alliances. This isn't Amazing Race Canada. Oh, I know they do, but also, oh my god, I will stab someone if the Double Express Pass comes back. Who will you stab? I don't know. Will it be Gino and Jesse? Whoever's nearest. (laughs) Whoever's nearest. Poor, your brother is is not going to be too thrilled. I'll be watching it at work, it'll be fine. Oh, one of your co-workers. Yeah, workplace injury. Yeah, They exactly. can claim workers' comp. I'll just buy him a Tim Hortons, it'll be fine. On that subject, Tim Hortons did open yesterday in Manchester, and I'm so excited. I went yesterday, I drove past it again today, because Google was taking me a stupid route home. And um, I'm going back tomorrow. Have you had it yet? Yes, of course I have. Is, is it good? It's awesome, it's as good as in Canada. That is, that's, you know, that's a lot coming from you. I know. You probably had really high expectations. Yep, and I took one of my co-workers with me as well, and she didn't believe that Tim Hortons was that good, even though there's a guy who used to live in Canada who also works in my office. And lo and behold, she was converted. I had a hot chocolate and some Timbits, and I have no regrets. Wow. <laughs> Please, Tim Hortons UK, sponsor us. Like, that's sponsorship I can get behind, because I will happily take some Timbits and hot chocolate off you. Let's move on to team number three. We've still got nine teams to go, and we're over about half an hour into this. This is a team I don't see doing well. No, this is this has got first boots written all over them. Desi and Kayla. Models. Just models. I will say we've had a very good track record with models. See Jessica and Brittany who kind of got our sense of humour eventually. See Tiffany and Krista, they both modelled. But these girls have never seen Amazing Race before. They have very little life experience. And also, hardworking is not one word. <laughs> Sorry, Kayla, I hate to break it to you, but hardworking isn't one word. I Yeah, like there's... With other models that we've seen in the past, they usually have another job attached to it, for the most part. But, I mean, this, but this is one of those teams that where it's like just modeling, and other teams who have done just modeling and all of the other American seasons have gone home very, very early. I can't think of a single exception. People are going to say Dustin and Candace, but they're already doing more uh, jobs than modeling. Um, then you got Brooke and Claire, who are already uh, TV hosts. And another, oh, Sam and Renee from Amazing Race Australia, where Renee was a mechanic, I think. Yeah, th- these girls are very young. That's the thing. As a general rule, teams who are this young don't tend to do too well. Aren't they older than you, Michael? Both of them are older than you. I, I think they're the cumulative youngest team, though. Oh, really? I think so, yeah. 
I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. They they seem very young if they're not. No, Desi's 27, Kayla's 26. Desi's older than me. Really? Bloody hell. And Kayla's the same age as me. Like, we have, we have like, Henry and Evan, who are both 22, and uh, another dating couple that's in their early 20s, yeah. Desi and Kayla are in their mid-20s. Wow. They do not seem like it. Well, that is a compliment to them. Yeah. But yeah, their whole modeling thing was just print modeling, spokes modeling, promo modeling, and then they both mentioned being in the exact same spot and runway for the Sports Illustrated Top 15. Yeah. And Desi's hobbies include golf, yoga, fishing, and boating. And Kayla's include yoga, boating, cooking, and Sudoku puzzles, also known as the next four Amazing Race Canada Double Battles. That would be a great double battle if, it, if it's uh, Sudo- Sudoku puzzles. Can you imagine Bill and Kathy dominating the Sudoku puzzle challenge? We're number one! I love Bill and Kathy so much. I'm so glad that you're on 19 just for the Bill and Kathy experience. I just watched a part of episode three where Kathy's like, "We're older. We're old enough to be most of these racers' uh, kids. You know, we've nothing's gonna scare us. I mean, we're not gonna be, uh, you know, we're not gonna be alive much longer." And it cuts to Bill, like that is just the most cringeworthy piece of editing I have ever seen. They're the sort of grandparents that you just want. They just seem so lovely. You just want to give them a hug. Mm-hmm. Or Bill holding Fred Flintstone. They're the one bright spot in season 19, which is a season of, let's be honest, mediocrity. Yes. Just an empty black hole of nothing good and nothing that bad. Very dull. Very flat line season. And talking of season 19, this season is going back to Belgium for the first time. It all comes full circle. But yeah, with Desi and Kayla, just the way Desi <laughs> wrote responses to the bio was pretty funny. Where she's asked, oh, you know, what do you fear most about traveling? She's like, honestly, not so much. I think she's the first person to open with uh, honestly on her bio. That cracked me up pretty good. I don't believe anyone who says that they're not scared of something when traveling. Like, even if you're the most confident person ever... You've got to be scared of, like, being kidnapped. Yeah. And just, or she's, uh, or she's asked, uh, what's, what's the most exciting part about traveling to you? And she said, everything excites her. I'm not sure. I mean, there's some shithole countries that you could potentially be flying through. What's the biggest shithole country, Michael? I plead the fifth. <laughs> not Vietnam? Vietnam was cool, but Vietnam is very overwhelming. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that being overwhelming for you. Whereas somewhere like Vegas is just a shithole. But that's a city. That's not a country, Michael. Yeah, but according to Branchel, UCLA is totally a city. So the the distinctions only uh, are are only clouded now. I'm afraid. <laughs> and Desi says that she wants to go to Australia because she knows people who've been there. And people she knows loves Australia. People we know have been there and live there. Also love Australia. <laughs> and Kayla fears thieves and shady people like Eminem. Yeah, that seems legit. Also legitimate fears. Like, apparently Desi's not afraid of thieves or shady people. At least she actually came up with real fears. That's one tick in her column. Oh, oh and she, she, was also, she was also asked the same fear question, and she said, what scares her? Eh, not much. <laughs> it's like, come on, give us something to work with. And 
this wasn't in their bio or probably not even in the Meet the Teams video. But do you see one of the like the CBS advertising videos that they posted on their official Facebook page and the clip that Desi and Kayla got? Is this the one where they keep deleting it and re-uploading it? I think so. I've seen the first version of it. I've not seen the third one. Um, this is the one where they're asked what like their team catchphrase is. They say it's anything we can do, we can do together. So if there's a roadblock, they are screwed. Because <laughs> they can only do things together. So I think we're both pretty much agreed their first boots. Yeah, there's nothing that indicates they've really seen the show. They haven't demonstrated any uh, diverse set of skills. They're, they've had the same job for a long time and don't seem to have too much travel experience as the places that they want to see are fairly common places. Like Kayla wants to see Barcelona and I've already been there three times and I'm going there again at the end of February. So I think, and just compared to the other teams that are that are used to being really competitive and trying to get through things as fast as possible. There's not really that same sense of urgency in any job that Desi and Kayla have ever had to do. Like even goat yoga has a former, um, has a parkour person, which is all about efficiency, efficiently getting through things. And also being a former, uh, American Ninja warrior contestant with Desi and Kayla. They haven't been involved in anything like that. Like even the firefighters that we have this season, that's a job where you have to rush through things pretty fast. So I don't think the pace is going to be Desi and Kayla's uh, strong suit this season. It's one of many, many things, many, many red, um, uh, red flags that indicates that they are indeed going to be the first team out of this season. Bear in mind that our record on predicting the first boots is utterly, hilariously bad. I don't think we've correctly predicted a first boot since Shower and Nabila. Really? I don't think we have. Not even um, Kelly and Siobhan? Uh... I wasn't even here for that preview, I don't think. I feel like Kelly and Siobhan was a team that stuck out as being like, okay, we have a team from TMZ. I think they're toast. <laughs> that was the one preview I missed, I think. Okay. If only you were there for that preview, I'm sure you would have predicted that. And now on to my winner pick. <laughs> Actually, I think they almost my winner pick. I have them in number four. I think Henry and Evan are going to win. The management consultants. What's with everyone this season sharing the same profession? I think this season has to have the record for that. Because how many teams don't share the same profession? Um, well, it depends how you count Joey and Tim, to be fair. Well, one of them has like seven jobs. But they're primary, the primary job, I should say. Tim's got 50 bajillion jobs, but also he's retired now from competitive eating. Tim has more jobs than Ernest and Jin combined. He really does. Ernest and Jin, of course, of uh, season 27. A lot of these teams do share the same jobs, though. You're right. But I get properly good vibes from Henry and Evan. They remind me of Ernie and Cindy. I know it's cliche, but I know they're super young, but they have good heads on their shoulders. They seem well-traveled. They seem intelligent. They're ticking all the right boxes for winners for me. They're very Zach and Rachel-esque is what I wrote down, because um, I think one of them wrote in their bio that they're worried about Evan being not the fastest in the race and perhaps not being the most physical. Which was kind of the same weakness that Zach and Rachel had overall, where both of them were very intelligent and could get through a good chunk of the race quite well, but then every now and then would stumble with more of the agility aspect of it. I think they're Zach and Rachel, but actually both interesting. Whereas Zach really carried the team. You think they're going to be interesting on screen? 
I think they are, yeah. Have you seen the videos? No, I did not. I was I was leaving it as more of a you thing. Yeah, I had to watch the videos because there's a particular video we're going to get to where I was just... I accidentally stumbled upon it when the bios came out and went, oh my god. By default, I have to watch all these videos now, but it is worth it purely for this one. But they're obviously very well spoken. She was the the best female debater in the world, apparently. In the world? In 2016. I think that they will not rub people the wrong way, which is obviously helpful. But also I think that they're probably adaptable enough to do very, very well. And just they were very wordy in their bios too. Yeah, which is great for us. We love a wordy bio because it gives us so much material to work with. It's much more specific than, honestly, not so much as an answer. Yeah, unlike certain teams we're going to get to very soon, where I think there's two teams where I've just written... Seriously, actually write something, please. Are you not talking about Cedric, are you? <laughs> of course I am. He has a great voice, but, like, zero words. Um, oh, this was the thing that made me think that Evan might not... Why they might not be the winners is because Evan's two main hobbies were watching movies and reading. That's not their... Those aren't very outgoing, amazing race type hobbies. That was the big red flag for me, where I'm thinking they're going to get close to winning, but I don't think they'll be taking it to that next level to get into the winner circle. I think they'll be around for sure for a while, though. Um, and Henry is most worried about coming back injured because it'll worry his mum, which I think is sweet. It's, it's not like he's going off to war or something. Like, he's not going to, like, step on a... Like an you know, like a Vietnamese mine or something like that, and be like, "Oh man, it's been there all this time, and I'm the one that detonated it." You know, it's it's it's, it's just the amazing race. Did you spot where Evan wants to go? The country of Rio de Janeiro. No, that was Henry. Oh, Henry wants to go to South America because he's a massive football fan. Evan wants to go to Israel. Yeah, she's on the wrong amazing race franchise for that. She should have been in Hammerots or Amazing Race Australia. I have four exclamation marks next to that, purely because I was like, Logan will want to talk about Amazing Race going to Israel. Yes, I even wrote that for the other person who, the next thing we're about to talk about, also wrote down Israel as an answer. Yeah, Joey wants to go to Jerusalem. Yeah, which might not be the best thing right now. It's been fine for like the past 15 years, but not the best idea right this second. That's awesome that she wants to go to Israel. Because, as you said in your blog, Israel is a very untapped country in terms of Amazing Race. Very untapped. And um, Henry and Evan say they've only been together 18 months, but they view it as a serious relationship. They both say that independently. Well, because a year and a half is, for most people, considered to be a serious relationship. That's a... Especially when you're 22, that's a lot of time to commit. Like, most relationships at that age, it's, it's like the fifth grade. It's over in a month. And the one thing that sort of tips me off to them probably doing well is the fact they say that they are very prepared. They're the only team who say that they're actually prepared for the race. So they have a grasp on what it's going to entail, which is always helpful. Yeah, like Ernie and Cindy did a lot of preparation when they went on the race. Weirdly, I actually have Ernie and Cindy question mark next to it. <laughs> so you think we're going to be fourth of the ten teams you're ranking? Yes, fourth or like right, or even in that final. I just don't see the winner circle being in their future. And now on to the team who... It was the only one that I really knew before the season, when it was announced that it was filming, and it's Joey and Tim. 
I didn't know who these guys were prior to uh, filming. Um, Joey Chestnut is massively famous in terms of chomping down hot dogs. He's the chain chomp of the Amazing Race. He really is. He has 43 world records. 43? All in eating. Like, there's not, like, one in basketball or something. No, all in eating. And um, Tim has 11. And I actually did some research on these world records just because you knew I was going to. So in eight minutes, guess how much shrimp cocktail Joey ate for the world record? 40. In pounds, this is. Oh, pounds. 12. 15 pounds of shrimp cocktail in eight minutes. Jesus Christ. He shares the world record for hot dog eating at 72 in 10 minutes, including the buns. Including the buns. That's a lot of carbs. And in eight minutes, he ate 141 hard-boiled eggs. Was he Gaston from Beauty and the Beast? I ate five five dozen eggs to make myself large. And um, (laughs) one of Tim's best records is um, in 12 minutes, he ate five and a half kilos of burrito. Oh man, Mark Curry from Celebrity Mall Yucatan would be jealous of that. Five and a half. Are we just going to talk about what they ate for the rest of this podcast? Because that may take a while. Pretty much. No, no, they're the only uh, world records I've got written down. We need to save some time for the ending, anyway. And Tim's jobs is ridiculous. He was He's a waiter at a comfortable high-end pizza-slash-wine bar, which is, I think he'd be the last person you'd want to have working in your restaurant, because otherwise the kitchen's going to be empty, other than maybe a Yokozuna. He's a bartender, manager, and eater. And on, and on the hiatus eater. And he refers to himself as Eater X. What is this, Mega Man? That is his persona, for competitive eating, and if you've seen any of the uh, the start line footage, that's why he's wearing the luchador face paint. And, I mean, and I'm sure when he burps, uh, which he, he's a world champion burping guy, just like John Lovitz from The Simpsons, I mean, he could probably change his name from Eater to Death Eater after he burps after eating all those burritos. Yeah, after eating five and a half kilos of, uh, of burrito, I'm not sure that I would want to be around him when he's burping. And between the two of them, they were two of the first three people in the world to eat 50 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And the third guy didn't get to be on The Amazing Race. I'm assuming the third guy is the the guy who Joey shares the record with. (laughs) Not Dev? From doing a little bit of research last night. (laughs) Uh, And Tim isn't scared by anything because who cares? It's like, yes, Tim, you probably should be because something's probably going to come up. Surprisingly not through his stomach after eating 50 hot dogs. Nothing comes up through there. And also, this is slightly less relevant to you because you've not seen the videos, but what on earth are they wearing at the start line? It's already... I'm already looking at the images right now of them. They, they, take, the, they take the nickname Team Green to a whole new level. It's like they're wearing a Christmas decoration. Half of a Christmas decoration. There's no red. I know it's slightly ironic for someone who has a Vancouver Canucks jersey behind him, and if anyone's seen how the Canucks are performing recently, that is deeply, deeply sad, but I shouldn't be giving any sartorial advice, but holy fuck, what are they wearing? They're going to get a lot of attention. It's very Brooke and Claire uh, inspired in terms of wearing outfits that people will be talking about. They're going to struggle in a taxi because they'll be distracting other drivers. (laughs) Yes. Traffic accident number seven on leg two. Hello. They look like they're wearing tinsel. Timsel, you mean. That is any nickname. <laughs> anyway, where do you see them finishing? Um, let's see. 
Although I think that I think they're going to do well with the eating challenges this season. Believe it or not. I don't think there will be any eating challenges for this exact reason. Can you imagine the meat block coming back in Argentina? That's because they'd be eating everyone else's uh, meat robot. Be like, oh, there's more. Wait, I expect them to get to final three. Interesting. I think they probably are going to go out mid tier. Just some something doesn't strike me as them getting too far. The one thing I will say for Joey and Tim is that they are very well travelled thanks to the competitive eating. I'm just not sure whether they're independent enough travellers. What do you mean by independent enough travellers? Like, because they will be travelling the world due to the competitive eating, they won't be organising their own travel and stuff, I suspect. Oh, you mean like they always have like their managers and the... I see, yeah. It's not just standing in front of a pile of hot dogs and being told to chow down. No, they... I'm assuming they drive themselves between stuff in the US, but if they're doing international ones, like I think they've gone to Japan and stuff to eat matzo balls, they won't have been organising anything themselves. That's a good point. And they want to show the world that eaters are the best at solving problems and that they have a blast at beating people. I've seen a lot of comments about people think that they're going to be slightly camera hoggy. Maybe Joey, but I I quite liked him from, from watching the video and stuff. Joey's the main mugger? Yeah, I, th- I think Joey might be a bit camera muggy. Tim being eight years older makes him wiser. Actually, I think Tim's the oldest racer in this season. Uh, no, surely one of the NBA players is older. Oh yeah, right, Cedric Solder. Tim's the second oldest. Which is pretty depressing given that everyone in this cast is under 50. That's the second... Actually, this season, I think, or last season, had an even narrower age gap. And then this season, it's only a wider age gap by about two years. But last season was a great cast, and this one's an alright one. That is true. That is true. And now on to the team who I think I'm going to have very little to say about in the next eight weeks of podcasting, Christy and Jen. They are the American version of Natalie and Megan. They 100% are, and I have zero hope of them giving me much entertainment. (laughs) A lot of diversity in the skills. They are going, I've already pegged them as going to the very end of the season. It's tough to picture them going being eliminated early. See, I I think they quite resemble like Matt and Redmond in terms of the same sort of skills that complement each other, quite steady. I don't think either of them is as fun and troublesome as Redmond was. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out in the Matt and Redmond fourth place spot. And I'm curious just how many physical injuries Jen really has, because maybe they won't be as physically gifted as their career suggests they are. She had six knee surgeries. Yeah, so she won't be running the fastest. It's a bit more damaging than uh, than uh, Megan's hand. Unless she has to repel up things. And... Yes. And Christy's retired from skiing and is an entrepreneur and wakeboarder, and Jen is a marketing manager who won X Games, which I didn't even realise was still a thing. <laughs> I didn't know the X Games was still a big hit either. I saw it randomly on TV about six months ago. I'm like, oh, so that outlived Tony Hawk. I remember it in the early 2000s, thanks to Tony Hawk mainly. Other than that, I don't even know it's still a thing. It's a very niche market, I think. More for, like, uh, young kids, I believe. Very American. I want to say it's a very American thing, because whenever I was on vacation in the States when I was younger, granted this was early 2000s with the peak of the X Games, but it's a very American thing to watch. It's not much uh, international value to it. And Christy is adventurous, daring, and literal, which is one of the weirdest words I've ever heard in a three-word-to-describe-you bio. 
She's very lit- literal. Yep, she's literally. Liz, Liz and Marie would be their her biggest fans. She's Christy Traeger. She's literally the best skier of all time. <laughs> and Jen doesn't understand what the word three means, because she says indomitable, intelligent, competitive, and empathetic. Well, when you play in the X Games, you just break all the rules and go with four words. She's still not the worst. We've got we've got a couple of five words coming soon. And the sixer. Christy is most proud of developing a new sport from one or two women to the Olympics. Which sport did she develop? I'm not sure. I'm assuming it was one of the skiing ones. Ski cross? If she if she developed ski cross, then thank you, Christy, for making me interested in watching the Winter Olympics. Because I only watch Winter Olympics for short track speed skating, ski cross, and snowboard cross. Because it doesn't matter how good you are. Because 80% of the competitors fall or crash, and anyone can win. Like, I can take up snowboard cross tomorrow, and I could get the gold medal. I thought you hated ice hockey, by the way. I do. I do hate ice hockey. But you took your girlfriend to a uh, Vernon Vipers game. Anything for her. Anything for her. (laughs) I will not be going to another uh, ice hockey game unless she wants to go to another ice hockey game. I was thinking of you when I went to the Canucks thinking Logan would hate every second of this. I I would I like I when, like it was the thing is is that the ice hockey game that Maggie and I saw it was a high scoring game like every two seconds you, the away team was incurring a penalty like it was always a power play so there was it was nine goals altogether in the game I think it was six three was the final score and eight of the nine goals were on power plays or even there's several two man advantages too and I'm thinking oh this is quite irregular for hockey. And even that, even that game, at the end of it, I'm like, I'm satisfied with that experience. And that was my first uh, ice hockey game that I had seen uh, all the way through live. And only ice hockey game. Annoyingly, we had a massive gap between the podcasts, so I couldn't talk about this. But I went to Vancouver a few weeks ago and went to see the Canucks because Mark and I promised each other that we'd go see an NHL game next time we're in uh, North America. And we were sat pretty much directly behind the home net. There were seven goals scored in that match. And all what? seven of them were scored in that net. <laughs> the Canucks lost 5-2, three of which were in like the last five minutes of the game, and all of them were in that net. And I was just sat there going, this is the best seats ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It was awesome. And there was an incredibly passionate Canucks fan right in front of us just going, go Canucks, go! All the time through the entire match. And it was like three hours from start to finish, and I was genuinely worried that he was going to have a heart attack of some description. Because Vegas scored twice in the first one, Canucks scored twice in the second round, and then it was three that Vegas scored in the final five minutes of the match. And a Vegas fan got clocked in the head with the puck as well at the end of the second period. That's so Vegas. Yeah, that's so Vegas. It was slightly embarrassing for the Canucks to lose to Vegas at anything. Whoa. At ice hockey. Yeah, I, I went purely because I like Vancouver and I hate Vegas, so it was the perfect mix of me seeing Vancouver hopefully destroy Vegas at something, and it didn't come to fruition, but it was a good night. I can't believe we live in an era now where even Las Vegas brings in so much tourism money that they get to have their own ice hockey team. And it, they play in the T-Mobile Arena as well. I looked this up a couple of weeks ago when I was discussing where their stadium actually is, because Vegas is the middle of nowhere. Like, they haven't seen ice maybe ever in Vegas. I don't think so. Like, uh, when I was there the day after New Year's, and 
it was I think the coldest it ever gotten was four days was like twelve degrees Celsius. And also there was more Canadians playing for the Vegas Golden Knights than there were for the Canucks. That sounds like the Canucks. Hmm. Canucks was full of like Canadian I think it was Canadians, Swedes and Americans. You know who would love this podcast right now? Joey Covino. James Duffy. Not James Duffy. I'd explain to when we were watching the CFL Grey Cup a, a few weeks ago, I had to explain to my uncle and aunt, my cousins, and Maggie uh, my whole thing with James Duffy because he was uh, at the desk in between uh, quarters uh, breaking down the game. And so naturally, now everyone else hates James Duffy too, which is nice. Did you tell them about him being addicted on Twitter? Yeah, that's mainly what I talked about. <laughs> Still funny. Um, yeah, Joey would like this podcast though because. As we discussed last season, Joey is a massive Boston Bruins fan, and next time I go to Boston, he does want to try and get me in a game of ice hockey, probably so he can choke books at 100 miles an hour at me. Or jersey you. Yeah, I'd, I bought a Canucks jersey. As I know it might shock you, but I bought a Canucks jersey, because I used to have a Manchester Storm one. And I was genuinely confused about what the fight strap was. I did Google it at the end of the match. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> what, what was? The fight strap. You know the, the little Velcro thing at the back of the jersey? To oh, stop no. people being able to jersey you. Oh, really? So in all hockey jerseys now, there is like a, a Velcro strap at the back that you put around your belt loop to stop people being able to pull your jersey over the back of your head when you're oh. when they're fighting. I didn't know there was a jersey defense mechanism. Yeah, but um, I, I have my Canucks jersey behind me. But I was I was really confused about what it was when I first got it. Anyway, back to something much less interesting than the NHL. Christian Jen. <laughs> So yeah, I think they're going to go far. They have very reasonable fears on the race. And Christy lies in her bios about her proudest accomplishment, where she said the, the medals pale in comparison to the honor to developing a brand new sport. It's like, no, the medals are the best thing. That's why you compete. Come on. All you do is win, win, win no matter what. Yeah. And I feel like they, they come from pretty privileged families, I would say. I know that's like that's the case for most Winter Olympic athletes. Like even the like our hometown Winter Olympic athletes here in Canada, the ones from uh, here in Vernon and in Kelowna, the ones that compete are from like parents who own the ski resort. And it's like, are you kidding me? No wonder they get to compete. They have all like this Winter Olympics is so expensive to train in. That's why it's only the first world countries that really get to participate. And Christy listed two different hometowns. Because it's where the two different businesses are located. Because one's a family-owned resort and hotel, and the other business was a family-owned marina. A marina. Yeah, I might be stereotyping here, but no one gets into skiing who is poor. No, it is very expensive. Like when me and Maggie went up to Whistler, we didn't want to pay the extra hundred, couple hundred dollars or so it was to rent skis and snowboards. And then when we were in the booth there... Everyone there was talking about what they did for a living. And one guy was this big investment guy, and the other guy had a bunch of investments too. And they're like, oh, why aren't you skiing? It's like, well, it's already like 60 bucks per person to go up and do the sightseeing. And then it'd be another 200 for each of us if we wanted to do skiing and snowboarding, probably. Did you do the, um, the John Montgomery Memorial Tour? We went on the podium. Yes, we did. I need to upload those pictures onto Facebook, by the way. Monty would be very disappointed in you. <laughs> friend of the show who's not actually spoken to us for a little while, John Montgomery, would be very disappointed in you. Where is John Montgomery? I don't know. He's been spectacularly quiet on Twitter recently because he wasn't really talking about his Amazing Race Canada 5 much. 
No, not even not just to just not not to us, but also to the other fans in general, as if he didn't care anymore. Well, <laughs> CTV don't care about it anymore, do they? No, clearly. And Christy also says that she would love to go to wonderful Indonesia. Both of them had Southeast Asia in their sights because I guess Southeast Asia is not a place you go if you want to train and skiing and snowboarding. Then get caught up in one of the Jojo Carter volcanoes. Yeah, Southeast Asia is a place you go if you want to learn surfing. Maybe at the Sentosa Wave House, sponsored by Alan Wu. Yeah. Hopefully I can get a free session there. I'm hoping and praying that uh, Amazing Race Asia comes back before October. Because <laughs> if it comes back about the same time as it did last year, I'm going to be away for a few weeks. Is this when you're going to Japan? Yeah, this is when I'm going to Southeast Asia. So I'm actually potentially going to miss a few weeks of Amazing Race Asia if it's about the same time as it was last time. And Alan Wu will be very disappointed in me. Yeah, you don't want to make Alan Wu disappointed. Disappointed. Disappointed, yes. So I had Christine Chen finishing number one. I think they're going to win the whole damn thing. I think they're going to be a late boot. Like number four? Yeah, I, I'm getting Matt and Redmond vibes. Oh, okay. I just feel like they're going to have some sort of weakness. And I don't know what it is yet, but something's going to trip them up. Like, we all thought that Matt and Redmond were going to steamroll their way through, basically, because they didn't really have many weaknesses. And just something is going to trip them up. Maybe it'll be something out of their hands, like taxis or something, but I just I can't see them winning. I see. And talking of another team who won't win, Cedric and Sean. Yeah, they didn't really address that they were even on the Amazing Race in any of the pre-race coverage over the past couple of weeks. All the other teams, I think, have done some sort of acknowledgement. They've pretty much done nothing. They haven't interacted with any of the other contestants on Twitter while the other contestants on Twitter have been all talking to each other. Um, yeah, they're going home. And just even their motivation for why they're going on the Amazing Race is pretty flimsy. Like, Cedric's bio, I was able to copy down his whole bio, like... My smartphone doesn't have a very big screen, and I was able to see all of Cedric's bio without having to scroll. That's a bad sign. Yeah, they have some of the shortest bios we've seen in a long while. I think Cedric gets the record, because after that team hashtag of Team Slam Dunk... Um, We're not talking about the team hashtags, they're awful. Yeah, they are awful. Being a dad is his biggest accomplishment. He's the cool dad with a K... He doesn't even list a hometown. He lives nowhere, apparently. He lives maybe underneath, uh, I don't know, uh, underneath like Steve Nash's uh, basement. I don't know. He's a, an international man of mystery. And whilst he has a fantastic voice, there's nothing else that I can really say about him. <laughs> you want him to narrate things? I would love him to narrate everything, but I don't think he will. He fears airport food. And he wants to see Africa for the weather. Africa, the country. Africa, the country. Shout out to Jessica and Brittany. Um, and he lists no hometown, and that his hope for the race is that him and Sean stay friends. And that's his whole bio. I just, I just said his whole bio. He's also forty-eight years old. There we go. Now I've said his whole bio. And can we just point out Sean's bio isn't much better? Why didn't he want to say what his hometown was? I don't know, maybe he's ashamed of it, or maybe he just forgot, because he so paid such little attention to The Amazing Race, because he was not at all an applicant. <laughs> I would put money on Cedric and Sean being recruits. 
I'd put the money that they made in the NBA that they were recruits. There's not a chance in hell that either of them have ever seen The Amazing Race before. Cedric didn't even know what he was doing in that bio. And then we have Sean Marion, who I recognize. I know who Sean Marion was before the start of the season. And I haven't watched NBA in like 10 years. Probably more than that, actually. Um, and he is, uh, his occupation is being a retired basketball player and a father. In other words... He's unemployed. Can we just... Anyone who goes in Amazing Race 31, can you not put that your greatest achievement is your kids or your family or anything? Because it's a cop-out answer. It is. It's not giving a real answer at all. If you say that you have a family, we assume that you're proud of them. Unless you're estranged from your family. (laughs) I know it seems like I'm a heartless little shit for saying this, but it's not the achievement that we're looking for in the bios. That sort of a question is to prompt something interesting about yourself. And if the interesting thing about yourself is, oh, I have children, that's not as interesting for us to talk about. And he says that he's the proud father to a son he gets to watch 40% of the time. So the other 60% is being retired. And it's very fitting that he has a son rather than a daughter because the team that he competed for in the NBA was a team called the Phoenix Suns. You saw that one coming. I did, and I've been past their stadium. And he also doesn't understand what the number three is, because he uses six words. Competitive, stubborn, uh, loyal to a degree, or no? So, so no, competitive, stubborn to a degree, and loyal. Yeah, he sucks at word at counting words. At least his places he wants to go are interesting. He wants to go to Abu Dhabi, Bermuda, and Venezuela. Venezuela? I heard that as tough as it is to get into, or rather, to get out of Venezuela once you're there considering the only way out is through Brazil, I believe, because um, they shut down the... Colombia shut down its border with Venezuela. Um, that I guess the capital Caracas is essentially the world's largest open-air museum. And I can vouch for the fact that Abu Dhabi you don't want to go to because it's hot as all hell and the people are rude. Maybe I would pick the UAE as the shithole country, actually. That's your least favorite country? I wasn't a big fan of the UAE when I went there. Well, it's kind of like the Vegas of the East. Yeah, there was a lot of Vegas vibes. It was very warm. The people were very rude. It was expensive. I just didn't get it. Did you go to Dubai? Dubai, I think, is more the is more the Vegas of the East rather than Abu Dhabi. But I assume the two cities are quite similar. Yeah, we went we went to Abu Dhabi. Amazing race. How many times has it been to uh, UAE? Like five times, I think. Uh, a few, definitely. Yeah. It's like the only country it goes to the Middle East anymore for the American version. It went to Dubai in Amazing Race Australia too as well. Yeah, well, Amazing Race Asia has gone to UAE a bunch of times as well. Almost every season they went there, I think. That was always its western boundary. Having said that, they've also revealed that this season goes to Bahrain. So The first non-UAE Middle Eastern country since Oman, now season 17. So that's a long time with UAE having like sole possession of of being the only uh, Middle Eastern country that Amazing Race US visits. And Sean also says that he wants to use Amazing Race as a launching pad, and maybe you should have been on Amazing Race 15 years ago if you wanted that. Yeah, he he's the first one to be very public with his intentions of why he's on the Amazing Race. He outright says he wants to run the race to open more doors and create more endeavors for himself. So he's just there to self-promote. I don't think anyone outside of the YouTubers has gone on Amazing Race to become famous in the past 15 years, to be honest. Yeah, like Dan and Rhea from Amazing Race Canada are probably the only team that's been silly enough to 
to do that as the reason why they go on Amazing Race. Because nobody gets famous through Amazing Race anymore. Like, who who is the last team that probably got traction in their career from Amazing Race? That is a hard question, because depends what you count as traction. Because, like, Brooke has done well out of her Amazing Race stuff. She's now doing, she's now the legal correspondent on a New York news channel. But not a lot of people really have much change from from being on the Amazing Race, to be honest. I guess Joey and Kelsey to a certain extent? Yeah, yeah, Joey and Kelsey. Because they're in the perv, they're in like the LA area for it too, and they've been winning awards through their careers and were able to make the prices Right appearance. Granted, it was Amazing Race themed. Maybe Brooke and Claire from Season 17, but they didn't really do... You don't really hear about them too much, though, outside of Amazing Race. They're just recognized for Amazing Race. And one thing we do have to give a shout out to is the fact that Brooke is now seeing Blair from Haley and Blair. Which is kind of funny when you think that Brooke was being compared to Haley last season. Exactly. And um, I knew about it pretty much as soon as I met Brooke and was sworn to secrecy for months. It makes sense why Blair was at the finale, though. I think they got together at Hearts of Reality in August. Yeah, it's not like they were like making out at the party or anything. I didn't, I didn't even really... I can't really think of a single interaction between Blair and Brooke that I would have seen, granted I wasn't paying attention that closely. I heard you making out. Anyways, back to Cedric and Sean, so... Do we have to? (laughs) So, Sean is just there to self-promote, and Cedric doesn't even know what show he's on, so... I'm putting them as being eliminated right after Desi and Kaylee, and they are not going to get any further than that. If they're not one of the first two teams eliminated, I will be shocked. Three words, Chester and Ephraim. At least Chester and Ephraim won the second leg and were doing well and that they were motivated to try and win. I don't think Ephraim ever said, like, oh, I'm on the Amazing Race to promote myself because retirement is oh so boring. I mean, Sean Marion is the, the, the guy who was nicknamed the Matrix is really selling himself short here. Like, this guy's desperate to be on TV right now. Yeah, I have zero hope that they're going to be anything other than the underrated, under-edited, former professional athlete team like Chester and Ephraim, who go out early and no one actually remembers he's on the season. Yeah. And on to another team who I think is going to have zero edit whatsoever, Eric and Daniel. The firefighting twins, the only quote-unquote regular people on this season. Yeah. This is the sort of team that we're going to see on Amazing Race Canada 6, if we actually decide to watch it. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I might watch it if I hear good things, but I, it's not going to be a priority for me. <laughs> so Eric and Daniel work in the same firefighting department. Eric is from Pocahontas, Louisiana, and Daniel is from Gonzales, Louisiana. And Daniel fails the three words to describe himself by saying loyal to family, and he's already used up all three before he can finish the rest. He talks about loyalty a lot to his family in his bio. Like, ultra family man, like Colonel Guile Street Fighter type of loyalty to family. They say on in their video that they won't compromise their integrity to win the Amazing Race. More importantly, Daniel's youngest son was born two days before they started on the race. Oh, so we're going to be hearing a lot about that during the race. That will comprise of 90% of their edit, if they get one at all. He'll be the Harrison Ford of the Amazing Race, is what you're saying. And his two proudest accomplishments, family and then paramedic school. And then Eric was a former Marine, so we've got the whole... And plus he has a wife and two kids, so it's very family team from the South, patriotism, 
we've seen this shit before. These guys are inseparable, to be perfectly honest with you. They both graduated from the Marine Corps at the same time. They both work together. They both left the womb at the same time. I mean, these guys are going to struggle to be different. And twins teams never do very well on Amazing Race because they tend to have quite similar skill sets. Yeah, no diversity to complement each other. These guys are not diverse at all in terms of their skill sets. I can't see a single thing that's going to suggest to me that they're going to last long because they, they're very similar, as twins tend to be, but they are very similar. And Daniel gets to enter the collection of people who want to go to Italy because of his family heritage. He's the one person this season who says it. I, I genuinely thought up to this point, we might actually get a, a preview here where we don't mention Italy for the first time ever. But no, Daniel wants to go there because the great-grandparents are from there. The Krista klaxon of, uh, of Italy is, has been sounded. And, of course, Eric decides to show how old school he is by saying that he's looking forward to traveling without any cell phones. And he wants to share the see The reason why he's going on the race is to share this adventure with his kids, even though his kids can't be on the race with him. So he's just going to be bragging to his kids when he gets home, like, I was on the Amazing Race. Were you? No. No, you weren't. I'm not sure he's going to get far enough to be able to share it properly with his kids. He'll get further than Cedric and Sean. Yeah, they'll get further than Cedric and Sean, but they are an early boot. And then Eric and one other racer that we have yet to talk about can discuss being Marines. Which brings me to another point. When you include Ben from Survivor 35, what's CBS's obsession with the Marines? They're few, and they're proud, and they want them on the race. And Survivor, and Big Brother. They're all pushing the, the patriotism angle, aren't they? Yes. So is Amazing Race Canada. They're having Heroes Edition for crying out loud. And sadly, Masayoka will not be part of it. Who? Masayoka from Heroes. Oh, I haven't seen Heroes. You've never seen Heroes? Watch the one season that was actually good, season one. Is that the Asian guy? Hero from Heroes? Yeah. Eric also... There's one interesting thing in Eric's bio. He says that he loves... Because of his job as a firefighter and paramedic, he loves to eliminate hazards. So that means that the twist that appeared in season 19, The Hazard, was discontinued because of Eric's intervention. And also, Daniel describes his job as, quite poetically, he puts the wet stuff on the hot stuff. Which, coincidentally, is what Jeff did to Bracky in Celebration <laughs> <in the> <laughs> Station. Yes! <laughs> I had two jokes prepared that I thought would put you off, and that was the last one of them. <laughs> Oh man, I haven't heard a Jeff, good Jeff and Jackie sex tape joke in a while. Putting the wet stuff on the hot stuff, my god. <laughs> I saw that and my eyes lit up. So where do you think that Eric and Daniel are going to finish? Um, I think they're going to be the fourth team eliminated. They won't be completely hopeless, but they're not going to get too far either. I think they're going to be just enough to get the whole I'm a family man edit. The sort of emotional, oh I miss my family edit. Mm-hmm. And now on to another team. Lucas and Brittany, Team Ocean Rescue. This is a team where, on paper, I thought I would hate them. Because Lucas reminds me of Max off of Katie. But, actually, having seen them on the video, I don't hate them that much. I mean, there's something a little bit off about them. I don't know what it is, I can't put my finger on it just yet. But, I don't hate them as much as I did. And of course, they share the same location and the same job in the form of Miami Springs, Florida as lifeguard lieutenants. 
I mean, you've got to be slightly crazy to live in Florida. Yes, with all the hurricanes and whatnot, uh, I would think so. I was more thinking of the Florida man myth, but yeah. And they're dating lifeguards from Florida, and they do Baywatch stuff, but for realsies, and they've been together for nine years, but he hasn't put a ring on it yet. He hasn't put a ring on it? What's he waiting for? Is he going to propose on the race? Well, they say in their video that they are living on lifeguard salaries, but there is a strong implication of a marriage being on the horizon. I see. And Lucas's hobbies include surfing, paddleboarding in his backyard canals because it's Florida. Damn it. I have that written down too. <laughs> the paddleboarding in backyard canals. You give me the bio of someone from Florida who lists paddleboarding as their hobby. I'm going to go for the paddleboarding in the backyard canals jokes. And he said that he's one of his proudest accomplishments is that he's proud of having, quote, a badass chick and bringing two people back to life. Yeah, so first you lead with the saving people's lives bit, and also, getting some is not a proud achievement, necessarily. If Logan can do it, anyone can. <laughs> Had to go for a, a low-hanging fruit joke, I'm afraid. <laughs> and he's most scared of peering in public places. Yeah, like, he's okay with talking about how much he likes having sex with Brittany, but man, when it comes to defecation, he gets all shy. And unless you get a voyeur, that's not happening on the race. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah. This is a really invasive camera crew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lucas also lists Bali twice in his places he wants to go. Fiji, Bali, India, New Zealand, Ulu, Uluwatu? Vuluwatu? What the hell is Vuluwatu? I'm assuming it's an island off Bali or something. Let's Google this. Could just be a made-up word. Maybe he's just trying to sneak a, a hidden joke in. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe it's like a self-destruct code for this podcast, and we don't know. Like me and Anthony did to the uh, the Hunted podcast in January. Yes, still one of my uh, my favorite podcast series ever, where Michelle has no idea, and then we reveal live to her. Uluwatu is indeed a Hindu temple in Bali. So you're right. And Brittany constantly wants attention, which she basically says in her video as well. She is. To use the term that I used for Brooke, very high maintenance. Yes. By her own admission. And she puts a lot of pressure in her bio, like, what are you looking forward to when you win the amazing race? And then she says, besides the money for a wedding and for home renovations, she hopes to work better with Luke. Yeah, they basically say that they're not getting married unless they win. So, hate to break it to you, you're not getting married. Consider this as a divorce. And both of them talk about trying to work together better as a couple, which means this is probably going to be our bitter, bickering couple for the season. Yep, and that's why I quite like them, I think. I like them, but I have no hope that they're going to win. And Brittany talks about winning the open surfboat row at Nationals with Alex, the awesome rowing partner. So she may be leaving Lucas for this Alex person. And in the video, she also says that they beat the pair who'd won it the previous 16 years. In a row? In a row. Not just any 16 years? All 16 before that? Yeah, they'd won 16 in a row before that, and then Brittany and Alex beat them. Wow. That is quite the dethrowing. That's quite the coup d'etat. Don't remind me of Jess Schroeder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> coup d'etat, yes. And where do you see them finishing? Once again, we have a team that's copying uh, the occupation of uh, Survivor Castaway from the Survivor 35 Zeroes tribe, but I think they'll do much better than our uh, marine firefighting twins. 
I believe Lucas and Brittany are going to finish in fifth. Fifth out of ten. Weirdly, that was what I thought as well. We matched for the only time. The whole ranking. And now on to our penultimate team. And I'm conscious of the fact that we're an hour and 40 into this recording and we've still not got to the team who we're going to take the longest on. It's Alex and Connor. There's not much. This is the least notes I have out of anybody other than Cedric. IndyCar racers, both the same age as me at 26. They are IndyCar racers. Connor has Xbox as a hobby. He wants to go to New Zealand, Maldives, or Belize. And much like Sean Marion, he's doing this race so he can hopefully get more fans for himself and Alex, which means their motivation for being on the race is a, on the Amazing Race is a bit misplaced. Alex wants to go to the Fiji or Thailand and wants adrenaline-filled experiences on the race, which is more than what Sean Marion wants to experience. And that is why I think that is enough to put them in the final three for this season. And the one thing that I've got to draw attention to is the fact that they are the first racers from Indiana. They're both from Indiana. No, you're wrong. Am I? Tramiel and Talisha are from Indiana. They're from Gary, Indiana. Are they? Because you didn't put in on the conversation that me and Spencer were having last night. They are the first racers in a while from Indiana. (laughs) The first racers in 27 seasons from Indiana. Yeah. And um, Connor is most scared of unfriendly customs agents, which if he's ever travelled through LA, he'll know all about. Because the LA customs agent was horrid. Really? When I went through L.A., the all the security was super friendly to me. I think they just don't like you, Michael. Probably, because when we, we went through, obviously Mark and I went to the same desk, and I handed over the, the card, and he just turned around and went, Who's this? I went, Brother. He went, All right. And then didn't say another word after that. It was really rude. And I'm surprised that Connor doesn't want to go to a different location rather than Fiji or Thailand, because I have a great lookalike for him. He looks like an Easter Island head. Oh, I gotta look into this. He genuinely looks like a Moe statue. It's so funny. I was tra- racking my brain last night trying to work out who he looked like, but he's he's the spitting image. This is the jawline. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's like Pat Healy from the UFC. That's hilarious. He has such a weird jawline that his head is kind of square. If you've seen the, the Mario capturing an Easter Island head image from Super Mario Odyssey. He looks the same as that. It's so funny. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't unsee that now. <laughs> I know. It's so Oh, well, you know what's terrible when you Google Alex and Connor Amazing Race? Dave and Connor come up. You're thinking of your homepage. We all know that you, your wallpaper is just Dave and Connor pictures. No, that'd be my worst nightmare. That's a punishment. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I could introduce you to Connor the Moe head, because... You're not ever going to be able to see that. Um, I think they'll do well. I don't think they're going to get to the final three, but I think they'll do well. Okay. There's not a lot else I can say about them. Anyway, on to the main event. Main event for the evening. The team I've been waiting two and a half months to talk about. Let's get ready to rumble. So, I'm just going to issue a warning out. If you're a fan of Jessica and Cody, switch off now, because you won't be very soon. Jessica and Cody are stunt cast team of the season are briefly dating, unemployed from LA and Texas. And I have a, a lovely little quote to, to begin this section of the podcast from good friend of the podcast, David Bindley. I'm going to paraphrase it because he used a particular Australian word in this. He says that being a least something person on an especially shitty season of Big Brother is not a high watermark for reality TV characters. Just because Jessica and Cody were the least worst option on Big Brother 19 does not make them any less terrible people. In fact, 
at work today on my lunch break, I googled some of the highlights of Jessica and Cody's time on Big Brother. Cody did a particularly transphobic comment at one point where he said that he did not care that 0.001% of uh, the population of America were something. Uh, Jessica had a particular racist incident. Cody said that he went to the Ferguson riots for fun just to see if he would survive. They apparently didn't realise that the glass door on the shower was not frosted when they boned it before the live feeds went live. That's the the particular highlights that I have written down so far. You guys left out the whole part about uh, Jessica putting her finger in people's butts on Big Brother as well. I do not remember that. I just did a quick Google at work earlier, basically to try and see what safer work things I could actually write down as particular highlights that I'd forgotten when I typed my notes up last night. No, this was a thing. Like, Paul was freaking out and, like, complaining to production about it, saying, why do you keep doing that? And it was just one of Jessica's habits on Big Brother 19, apparently. She's also the first female pre-jury boot to get over 100 diary rooms. That's a lot of diary rooms. It is. I think it averages at about 10 an episode that she was on. And just for the avoidance of doubt, I actually also did the maths on how long they'd known each other before they started racing. And this will become relevant fairly soon when we get into their video, which is a smorgasbord of awful. So, I'm approximating that they went into the house on the 14th of June, and Amazing Race filmed from the 1st of October. And given that Cody got evicted, then came back into the house, and then Jessica got evicted, and they got reunited on the finale... And given that there was only 12 days between the finale and them actually filming The Amazing Race, which means Hella's dunk cast, they had a total of nine weeks around each other. And they're about to spend about between all of the pre-season and post-season stuff, they've got close to another four weeks on their hands. And there's some particularly alarming comments in the uh, in the video that we, we will need to get to about their future together. Uh, so, they're unemployed stunt casting from Who Gives a Toss, Texas and LA, obviously. And he was in the Air Force and the Marine Corps, and then did sales and is just done Big Brother. And he isn't scared of anything, apart from maybe showing emotion. And he's most proud of being a Marine. Yep, and he's most excited for, if Cody ever actually shows any excitement, uh, travelling outside the country, because he never has, apart from with the Marines. And Cody is going to be one of those people who constantly mentions being in the Marines. And she's most proud of lasting seven weeks in Big Brother. Biggest life accomplishment. That actually is... Sadder than um, Desi and Kayla's uh, accomplishments. And like, I know they were obviously recruits and CBS wanted to cross-promote for some God knows reason. But there's recruits and then there's the sheer vagueness of Jessica's answers. Like, she gave us nothing to work with. And I don't know whether it's because she was tired of filling out CBS bios or whatever, but she gave us nothing. Like, the question, like, what's ex- what's exciting you the most about traveling? And she said, seeing the world. She just defined the word traveling. And she says that traveling the world with her best friend just sounds so cool. It's like, you're not even best friends. You've known each other for nine weeks. And I know you were together 24 hours a day for those nine weeks, potentially. But it's like, you can't be best friends with someone knowing them for nine weeks. Because surely you're going to have a fight. And surely it's not going to end well. Even my best friends who I've known, like I've known Reese who... Logan is Facebook friends with now, who we met in Edinburgh. I've known her for about 10 years now, and like even then we still are learning stuff about each other, and I know that's kind of what Amazing Race is about, is learning stuff about your partner and getting through stuff together, but they have the record for the team who knows the least about each other outside of a blind dating season. They've been together for nine weeks. 
Because for me, I was never really bothered by Jessica or Cody too much when watching Big Brother in the limited time that I watched Big Brother 19 last summer. But it's just the fact that they were super duper blatantly recruited just because I guess Cody won the fan favorite award for season 19, which is not that hard when you consider who was in the cast. I guess he won it by a huge amount, so I guess he's easily CBS's biggest um, star between Big Brother, Survivor, and Amazing Race, the new It uh, person, that they just wanted him on a show. Like, with Robin Amber, they had to wait a few months in between their uh, Survivor, All-Stars, and Amazing Race 7 appearance, but Jessica and Cody were asked to go onto the Amazing Race in the backyard. Like, there was um, other media sites that were tweeting that Jessica and Cody were being asked in the backyard by production that it was overheard because there's so many people in the backyard at the time. And then those tweets eventually had to be deleted. There were 12 days between the, the end of Big Brother 19 and the start of Amazing Race 30. So they would have just gone straight into interviews and packing, I guess, because that's not... I think they got to spend what... Did they get to spend any time at home, or was it straight from the studio to sequester? It probably would have been about a week. It makes me wonder who that 11 spot was supposed to go to then. Yeah, that's the next thing. You think, how bad was the casting of the season before if they then thought, oh, we've got to get Jessica and Cody on board? Because when it's 12 days before the race starts, that means there was an 11th team that was locked in, ready to go with their... Uh, with all the visas and stuff, because usually you're told months before you go on the Amazing Race that 100% you're going to be on it so you can make all the arrangements. With Jessica and Cody, they wait till 12 days before and say, hey, um, do you want to go on the Amazing Race? If so, we're going to kick out the people we had who are under the impression they're going to be on the Amazing Race and just take their spot. Or maybe production did just leave it blank. Who knows? It shows a distinct lack of faith in the cast if they then have to, 12 days before they start filming, go, you know what, we need Jessica and Cody. And I know they'll have had conversations beforehand, and they'll probably have mentioned it to Jessica beforehand. But, like, it's still not a great degree of faith from either CBS or World Race Productions to say, actually, we need another team. Be like, oh, shit, we only got 10. There's supposed to be 11. (laughs) And, like, not just that, but the fact that they were the least shitty option on a particularly shitty season of Big Brother. But for some reason, people have latched onto them. Probably because of the whole Cody's a Marine, Paul and Josh tried to enact his PTSD and all that sort of awful stuff, and I am not at all defending any of that. But, like, the other option is them, and they aren't particularly magnetic personalities, especially Cody, but they're not particularly magnetic personalities. And then added onto that, the fact that we have a situation where we have a 21-day season of Amazing Race that is run, and literally every spoiler that has come out, either deliberately or not deliberately, has been because of them, and because of their rabid fans around the world for some reason. Yeah, not because of them, it's because of the fans that just went... Like, it was more Big Brother than Amazing Race fans, I guess, that were at the starting line. Like, everyone was just... It was kind of funny because teams were coming through that smoke tunnel thing at the starting line and nobody was really reacting. And the people who were filming with their smartphones didn't move the camera until Jessica and Cody came out and specifically used their camera to follow Jessica and Cody. So it's oh, and of course, online, it's the two extremes. It's either it's more the fans I have a problem with or and the extreme haters than I do with anything about Jessica and Cody because they're the fans and the haters are so 
have been so crazy that they know every single detail about Jessica and Cody on the race and we're posting it publicly constantly. Yeah, the fact that as two fans of a very popular Amazing Race Facebook group, we are both far too spoiled on this season than we would like to be. I like to know the locations and none of the the boot spoilers. But like even Logan, who is militant about these spoilers, had to delete some of these posts and delete some of these people from the Facebook group because they were posting U-turn boards, because they were posting speed bump boards, because they were posting pictures of people in countries. Like, that is a big no-no. At least for me, I only knew stuff about Jessica and Cody. I didn't know anything. I don't know anything about the season except for the locations and roughly where Jessica and Cody end up. That's all I know about the season. I know you a lot more than I do. Yeah, I know the location of the last speed bump of the season and who it affects because of these fans. And it is so unbelievably annoying that it's impacting on my ability to do this podcast. And I've been looking forward to doing this podcast for months, especially after the shit show that was Amazing Race Canada 5. It's just so unbelievably annoying that I now have to mince my words and skirt around what I know because some loose-lipped little turds can't keep it shut. And there's a lot of loose-lipped little turds, too. Yeah, and that is my new name for the Jody fans, and that will be their name throughout the season as long as Jody survive, basically. It's not just the crazy hardcore fans, though. It was people in the other direction who were just so obsessive over them that they wanted to know every single detail. Like, did I tell you about the whole thing with Mertz Jaffer at the Big Brother 19 finale? No, but I love any Mertz story. So, like, there was some video about just people clamoring all over Jessica and Cody. So then I, it was like a two-minute video. So I clicked on it, and there is Mertz right up in Jessica and Cody's face just talking to them and hearing him tell them where all the after-parties and stuff and trying to get them to sign stuff for him. And there was just hordes of people around trying to get Jessica and Cody's attention. And you just see, especially Cody, like, what the hell is all of this as his uh, facial reaction? Granted, most of the time he just looks like a, a Tom Cruise stunt double, but uh, still. It impacts upon everyone else's enjoyment of the season if you're inconsiderate to other people. That's the thing. It's just plainly inconsiderate doing all this stuff. And I get that you are a massive fan of these, frankly, really boring people. But they're also really delusional. And I'm going to now start talking about the video because it's, it's just like a comedy of errors. And if you only watch one video of any Meet the Team this season, watch Jessica and Cody's if you don't like them. Because we have the Travelling the World with My Best Friend Just Sounds So Cool quote from Jessica. She says basically she was obsessed with him as soon as she got evicted and that she got Jessica and Cody dog tags made up and she hasn't taken hers off since she got them made. Oh man, you can see in the pictures too. She's not kidding. She also says that Cody's energy will drive them. To which my response is anyone who's watched Big Brother 19 will know that there is a distinct lack of energy emanating from Cody because he's just so conner-faced, for want of a better term. And then the the money-making quote. I think our relationship has been tested as much as it possibly can. I don't think Amazing Race is going to test us. You've known each other for nine weeks. And then, my favourite quote of the entire house. And he wants to start popping babies out soon, so we need a million dollars. What? Hmm. Nine weeks? Nine weeks. <laughs> they have known each other for a total of 63 days. Man, that is a fast-moving relationship. And he already wants kids. I think the the FLDS, uh, the fundamental Mormon people, don't even move that fast with 
getting women to pump out children. But yeah, there's something deeply, deeply insecure about the relationship if they already want to start having kids after nine weeks. That's the sort of story you would hear on Jerry Springer. Yes. Maybe kids will improve the relationship. It's like, you don't even know each other yet. You've barely even spoken. Did Cody say anything interesting in the video? Cody didn't say anything. <laughs> Shot gasp horror. It's going to be... It's it's strange that Jessica and Cody have been the first team to truly go hop from one CBS show to the other without any breaks. No one's really done that extreme of a crossover before. Like, it even broke Robin Amber's record. Allison, I think Brendan and Rachel still had a little bit of time between BB-13 and Amazing Race 20. Jeff and Jordan, I think, had a bit of time as well, if I'm not mistaken. BB-11 was... Let's see... BB-11 would have been eight years ago, so 2009? Yeah, that sounds about or 2009, then Mason Race 16. Mason Race 14 aired in 2009, so yeah, spring of 2010 is when uh, 16 would have aired, which means it filmed towards the end of uh, 2009. Oh, I guess they only had like a month as well for Jeff and Jordan. I don't think it was 12 days, though. I just really hope that they're not going to try and make Jessica and Cody the new Brenchel or the new Jeff and Jordan. I think they are, though. I mean, that's that's. I mean, they've never gone to this absolute extreme before with having them. Like <clears throat> for the press tour, whenever Phil's done the press tour, it's always been by himself. He never had Brendan and Rachel with him, and he never had Jeff and Jordan with them. Certainly didn't have Allison and Donnie with them. This is the first time where he's had to take Jessica and Cody with him to multiple preseason interviews over the past week to promote Amazing Race Thirty, like. The Mason Race 30 is the Jessica and Cody season heading into it. That's all the hype around them. Like even the preseason videos that were saying like, oh, season 30, you know, starts January 3rd. Um, half of Phil's uh, preamble talking about the teams in the three minute videos, half of it was dedicated towards Jessica and Cody. So it's one thing if it was just a team, do it, if it was just another crossover team like a Keith and Whitney who don't really get much preseason attention but CBS is going really far out of our way to make sure that our eyes and our mouths are focused on Jessica and Cody. And it pains me to say this about an Amazing Race season, especially as Bertram did add me on Facebook a few weeks ago. But, like, this is a bad sign for Amazing Race, that the fact that they're having to pander to the Big Brother fans who are notoriously friggin' crazy, they have been known to ring up people's houses and people's places of work and try to get them fired because they voted out their favourite person. They've been known to, like, send death threats to people. And I'm fully aware that in saying all of this stuff, I am baiting them to living hell. But, like, you need to get a life. And the Big Brother fans definitely outnumber the Amazing Race fans at the starting line, which is which is kind of scary. That where it's mainly that the audience that you're mainly going to see in the comments on various Facebook pages aren't going to be people who have seen. I even saw comments of people who said, "I have never seen the Amazing Race before. Can you explain what it is to me?" Just because Jessica and Cody are on it, you know, it's going to be a an interesting season when even Beth Peach, who is maybe the loveliest of all the Amazing Race fans, she's the lady who runs Reality Fan Forum. Even she was getting annoyed at Jody fans. Oh yeah, because well, well, of course, because Peach Georgia, she's such a low key person who does not like drama. Being in the center of it, yeah, does not like drama or attention on her. And no matter how things go, she's gonna probably be thrown into the middle of all of this in some fashion. 
Yeah, she was getting really frustrated at the Jodie fans just giving fake spoilers, getting a bit too excited, reporting everything publicly and annoying people like me. Like, if Peach Georgia is losing her rag with people over this, you know it's a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And I am holding CBS 100% responsible for this. There's no way that Bertram and Elise turned around and went, you know what? I like the cut of their jib. We want them on our season. There's no way they they did that. CBS yeah. imposed this. And 0% of the responsibility falls with Jessica and Cody. They were just invited to do, an, do the Amazing Race. Who wouldn't want to do the Amazing Race? Of course they're going to say yes. You can't be angry at them at all. This is all CBS. No, but I will say... If any awful stories come out about Jessica and Cody, I will report them. There is not a chance in hell that the threat of their angry mob of turds is going to scare me away from mentioning any behind-the-scenes stories I hear about them. Happy or angry mobs of turds. So, strap in, everyone. It's going to be a fun season. And I just want to avoid even talking about them, really, in the in the recaps. I want this preseason thing to be like 80% of our coverage of Jessica and Cody. Sadly, I don't think we're going to get away with doing that, do you? 70%. It would be nice to not speak about them just as we didn't want to speak about Kevin and Ryan, but I think that annoyingly they're going to twist the narrative to be all around Jessica and Cody. And we're not even going to predict where they finish because we kind of both know. Yes, we do. That's the issue here. (laughs) We kind of both know things we shouldn't about Jessica and Cody. So, that's the 11 teams. It's a... Weird cast of finding super competitive and overall a lot of people that appear to be one-dimensional on the surface. Like, you know what beat they want them to fulfill. Yeah, and there's only a couple of teams who are ever going to use a U-turn. There's only a couple of teams who are ever going to get competitive between teams rather than just like, we need to do our best. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of teams who said they won't sacrifice their integrity, which is slightly annoying. And just another thing to note, this is the second season in a row without any parent-child teams. It is. Last season it was kind of by design, but... Everyone that's racing together is all in the same uh, generation. And also, five male-male teams. Yes, which I think... Was Amazing Race 4 also five male-male teams? Because they had, what was it, Riken and DK, Steve and Josh, Steve and Dave, David and Jeff... John and Al, yeah, that's what, yeah. I was thinking they were tied with Amazing Race 4. So yeah, most, it's definitely the highest percentage of all-male teams in the season, and it ties the record for overall with highest number of all-male uh, teams in a single season. It's sort of the reverse Amazing Race Canada 4. It is exactly reverse, yeah, because Amazing Race Canada 4 was five all-female teams? Five all-female teams and two all-male teams, and they went out in the first three teams. No, first two. Yeah, Stefan and Antoine were second out because Kelly and Kate were saved by the the first ever uh, second round non-elimination. I forgot about that. Yeah. See, I, I've already blanked Amazing Race Canada out of my head apart from the wonder that is Suki and Jinder. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no other season of Amazing Race Canada exists, apart from Nick and Sabrina. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're basically done now after over two hours of talking. Well, it, that was. I think it actually might end up being shorter than our Season 29 podcast. I think it will, mainly because we have less interesting people to talk about, but I do immediately need to do a Photoshop of uh, of Connor next to a, a Moe head. Because <laughs> I thought of that late last night and went, I'm immediately mentioning that because it is my favourite thing I've come up with for a long while. What's your thoughts on the route for this season? I'll try and stay vague, because Wayne will probably listen to this and he has a go at me if I mention countries that CBS haven't confirmed. I like it, 
Sort of. They spent a lot of time in Europe. It's quite a Europe-heavy season. Yes, and there's a couple of really overused locations that greatly disappointed to me disappointed me i'd say it's like middle of the pack in terms of route maybe even a bit less because there's still there's so many countries that the amazing race can still visit but pretty much refuse to do so this season which knowing the limited run that amazing race has left i'm kind of sad about it given that there's four unconfirmed countries so far because obviously we know about there's 10 countries in total we know about the u.s we know about Iceland, we know about France, we know about Belgium, we know about Zimbabwe, and we know about Bahrain, because they've now confirmed that. Bahrain is obviously awesome, because they've never been there before. Zimbabwe is obviously awesome, because they've never properly been there before. Belgium hasn't been seen since season 19. It's pretty good, although they're going to a bit of a boring bit of Belgium. And Which part of Belgium? Antwerp? It's Antwerp, yeah. The one part of Belgium I didn't go to in those two days. <laughs> yeah, and I- I've heard about the final task of that leg is just done for comedy value, which, ugh. Um, what, drink a bunch of beer and eat waffles? No, I think they check in uh, dressed as French fries. Oh. I've heard differing stories about that. Where else? France is obviously super overused, but at least they're going to somewhere new in Saint-Tropez. Yeah, what's with the... France is quickly getting up there with China and India as the most number of pit stops in this in the series. It's a really safe country, is the honest answer. It's not a cheap country for them to film in, because Paris especially is super expensive. But it's a safe country, there's enough di- biodiversity that they can get away with going to different regions and doing like Champagne or Paris or the French Riviera or Normandy, like they did in Amazing Race Canada. Yeah, France is hella overused, but at least it's somewhere new-ish. It's not too far down the road from Nice Monaco, but I'll tell you what we can get. Um... Where else are the other countries? Iceland hasn't been visited since season six. Well, they visited all of Iceland in season six. But then again, it's quite an expensive country, so I get why they haven't visited it again. But it should be an impressive location for the first leg, at least. So yeah, it's a middling route, let's be honest. It's not going to blow my socks off. No socks will be blown. No, at least we've got a new country in Bahrain. And at least it's a country that Phil has been banging on about wanting to go to for a while. So maybe we'll get Burma shortly. Burma, or Myanmar and Nepal have been like the two big misses for Asia. Yeah, they're they're the main two that Phil keeps talking about. We didn't get Fiji, which was a surprise, given that the Fijian tourist boards uh, sponsored some of the casting calls for this season. And Fiji was also referenced in some of the bios yet again. So it's coming sooner rather than later, but you never know. It was a pleasant surprise for some of the countries, it was an unpleasant surprise for some of the others. There's a very overused country or a very overused place that they've not confirmed yet. So yeah, I don't think I've got anything to say about the season anymore. <laughs> Podcast is cancelled. Yeah, I think I'm good for this time. So we will see you the first weekend of January. Probably, hopefully releasing sometime around the Vidum premiere date of the 6th of January. Crazy. We're going to aim, I think, for Sundays this year as in terms of release. Yeah, in terms of release, yeah. So yeah, thank you for listening to this UR Team Number podcast. You can join us from the first week of January for the first recap of the season. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, and Log Supergaki for Logan. I'll see you soon. See ya. Peace out, and just chill. Till the first episode. <laughs>